Hello, we're back with Testimonies of Lament uh, for another session. And the whole goal of this has been to hear people's stories and stories that are kind of real, real to life, real to the struggles that we have, but also seeing God in the midst of that. And um, stories that are not polished up, but um, also do have hope in them. And so this next session, we've got John Coots here. Hello, John. Hey, John. Can you tell everyone what you're into, who you are? So we get to know you a bit. Sure, thanks. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on your little series here because uh, I think this is a really important topic I actually care a lot about. Um, I am currently a lecturer at Trinity College in Bristol, and uh, I teach in ethics and in pastoral theology and systematic theology. I came here from Canada five years ago with my family. I have a wife, uh, Angie, and four boys who are between the ages of 10 and 15 and back in Canada we had moved around quite a bit but I was for quite a while a pastor in evangelical church there and that involved a couple stints at uh, college and then seminary and um, then a PhD in Aberdeen so uh, and that kind of all goes back to my upbringing which was in a church home I was the son of a pastor I grew up in a kind of church home as a pastor's kid, and um, early on in my life, I had kind of figured I did not want to follow in my father's footsteps, but God kind of uh, stepped in and changed that direction while I was in my early 20s, and I uh, went on from there. So um, church is really close to my heart, so even now that I'm in the classroom, most of the time, most of the time we're talking about um, church life and um, what it means to be able to make prayer and, and Christ a part of our everyday lives. So it's good to chat about this today. Great. And I'm glad to have you as one of my ex-tutors. Yeah. I really enjoyed your classes, and you gave me okay marks, so that's the reason you're here. Oh, good. I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really about testimony, so let's... Yeah. Take it away. Tell us a little bit about your story and um, what you want to share with us today. Yeah, so when the topic of lament comes up, first thing that comes to mind for me is a period in my life where I was really broken. Other people's stories are different and they have more sort of tragic things happen to them, but most of my brokenness was kind of internal. Um, had to do with identity and insecurity and stuff. And it kind of goes back to this phase between my first pastoral ministry and my journey into seminary where I went, kind of went back to, to college. So the long story short of it is that I, I finished my theological training in my early 20s. Um, we'd gotten married, we'd had a child, and I went into pastoral ministry and I was the lone solo pastor of this church of about 70 people. On a good, If everybody was there, it was 120 people, but that, obviously that never happens. So, you know, a church of around 100 in a bedroom community outside of Winnipeg in uh, the center of Canada. Fact, what, does that, what does that mean, bedroom community? Sorry, it's like, um, it means that most people work in the city and then they come 20 minutes out of the city to this community where they sleep, okay. right? So it's the suburbs, right? It's dead center of Canada. Like, I think it's actually the geographical center of North America. Some people called it the armpit of Canada. Anyways, it's uh, this vibrant little community and this vibrant little core of a church, and I get to be its lead pastor like on my own I'm really excited about this and I I thought we did pretty well we had a, a great little community we really hit it off we had our struggles but pastoring went on the face of it as well as it could have in every area except we just never really got any bigger 
whatsoever. And I mean, we did missional stuff. We did outdoor services. We did, we were really trying, and we just never grew in size, even though we were growing in quality. I think theoretically, I I was okay with that. I just thought my first task as a pastor is to be faithful, just to try to do the right things as God leads us, and that's what we put our minds to. And um, I would not have seemed like a guy who was struggling. The sort of prevailing um, conversation in sort of pastoral and church circles and in the Christian culture was church growth. You're not doing it right if you're not growing in numbers. And um, I didn't quite believe that that was quite the metric for measuring the church's success. I didn't buy that, but but internally I kind of did. And my story at that church became internally a story of failure. Like for whatever reason, no matter what we did, even if we did all the right stuff, it just felt like a failure because we just always had the same amount of people in the seats Sunday in and Sunday out. And I thought I could overcome that, but at, at some point it just got me and I I could not make sense of my existence as a pastor uh, other in any other way than as a story of failure. And that that's a recipe for disaster, but you can get through that if you have the sort of support structures and sort of resolve to sort of get through with your convictions and be patient. But I did not. I also am a fairly insecure person, and I thought I was strong enough to just be patient and see it through, but I wasn't. I just I started circling into self-doubt and um, questioning what church was even about and feeling like I had no resources because all of the conferences that I went to, all the sort of gurus of church growth, um, they weren't giving me anything to go on. And long story short, it, it ended up spiraling and taking into me, taking me into a kind of a dark depression where I, I couldn't even make sense of things anymore. I couldn't even see the four walls around mm. me. And even though people were loving me, I couldn't receive it. Mm. And at some point I realized I'm either going to have to go away and sort this out, or I'm going to have to bring my church down into this hole with me and make them work through this with me. And I didn't have the strength to do that. So we decided to resign and leave and go to seminary to sort of resort ourselves for church ministry. And by, by we, I mean me and my wife. Um, so we did that and we moved. And at that point I was a broken person and I spent two years in seminary basically crying out to God how do I do this? How do I be a pastor and feel okay about what I'm doing every day? And how do we be a faithful church? And I really had nothing to go on. I had no answers. I had only questions. And it was a very dark, dark period in my life. And so when I think about lament, I think about that period because pretty much all I did was lament. No answers forthcoming, just questions. Hmm. And what I'm interested to talk about, see what you think about this, but what do you do for people who are in that place, whether it's for health reasons or some sort of trauma in their life or even just for internal insecurities and and doubts what does the church do for them because i felt mm. like i was at a loss and i i was afraid to bring my church down with me and i wonder if that's a, a bad instinct and what we can do about that yeah it's interesting that you say that because i was just um watching a movie with my wife last night and it was like one of these kind of um intrigue movies or whatever and it's a very small part of it. They went to a Christian camp, and it was only like a couple minutes scene. But they meet the Christian counselors, and they're like saccharine in their like over the top, like positive kind of. We're a Christian, and I was like, that's just not 
what Christians are. Mm-hmm. But I think there is this kind of perspective outside of the church that we're these super happy, put together people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like pervasive in our church as well, mm-hmm. where um, maybe we are better at saying that there's space for that. But there's also, I think, a lot of times a unconscious expectation that people are happy mm-hmm. or they're um, all right. You know, and I think this is the hardest thing is also as, as, a, as a vicar now is thinking, um, do we allow people to be in that place of limit that you were describing, but for a while? And then we're kind of like, and now that time is done. Mm-hmm. Like time to not be in that place anymore. Yeah. I think that you're right. It is unconscious. So I remember going to some of these pastors' conferences or church leadership events. It was meant to encourage us. And often there would be someone who would get up and give a testimony of lament. But I think subconsciously it communicated something that was unhelpful to me because it would always be given by someone who had come through it, come out the other side, figured out how to interpret that dark period in their life and tell a story about it where it all makes sense in the end because... XYZ. I learned a lesson from it, or here's where God took me as a result. And it always had this sitcom ending, which not a, I'm not against that. Everybody wants it to work out well. Yeah. You subconsciously learn that, oh, I'm going into a dark period. I better go inside of myself, go through it, sort it out, and then I'll only speak of it after when I can sort of wrap a nice bow on it and sort of explain it. I can figure out what God was doing with it. And I don't know how we... Of course we want to hear those stories of what God did within a messy situation. But we accidentally train ourselves to only talk about it after it's over. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we... Not only do we only talk about it then, but um, yeah, also, not every story has an ending that yeah. is, like, easily wrapped up. Yeah. Sometimes the um, the story just kind of... It, it fades away and there's... an another mm-hmm. season of change but you kind of wonder what was that about mm-hmm. you know sometimes the sitcom ending is oh this is where it actually led me it, it, I went on and took it on another career or I went yeah and did this or that or the other thing and sometimes the sitcom happy ending is I learned a valuable lesson or whatever yeah but then sometimes we're waiting and waiting and waiting for some sort of resolution and, and it hasn't happened yet so what do we do for the people that need to be able to talk about it yeah, in the worship and church context, even before they have the sort of "I figured it out" moment, here's what God was doing. Yeah, moment. I mean, we want that as well, but what about in the, in the middle time? Yeah, and I think that's where we think about the richness of real pastoral ministry, don't we? Yeah, that's true. When it's coming to its own. So, with pastoral ministry, I think when it comes on into its own, is over just a period of time, right? So I don't think pastoral ministry is just an, for um, uh, you know just one episode of someone's life, but it's that church being there linked into a context, and so we learn to sit with people, knowing that nothing helps but time, and sometimes even time's not enough. We're with them because they are valuable in and of themselves because they carry the image of God, and we plant ourselves next to them. Mm-hmm. empathy yeah. but I think the part of that the other part of that though is learning to celebrate as well so when a person is growing and when things have changed 
being able also to look back and say, look at where we've come from. Mm -hmm. And so there's the honest perspective of being like, I'm planted next to you, both when it looks like there's no growth, Mm -hmm. but I'm also the person that encourages you and cheerleads you when there is growth as Mm -hmm. well. Because I think we need that as well. And sometimes uh, I've, I've found or I've seen that you can go to either side of that, where either you you go so far into the lament with somebody that that's all there is, yeah. or you're constantly pushing someone to this happy story. Yeah. But really, there's a mix of the two, isn't it? Where yeah. you're you're sitting with them and you're also cheerleading them and yeah. celebrating. That's right. And was that was that a part of your kind of your journey when you were in that when that in that dark place of lament? Yeah, I mean, definitely you you want to celebrate, you want to see it go somewhere, you want to see God make something good out of it. And we don't want to keep quiet when that happens. So in my case, you know, I did come out of seminary with a kind of a new lease on life. And I actually went back and had another pastoral ministry and then went on to do, like the journey just kept on going and God made the most of that kind of dark period. And so I do have some sort of celebratory things that came out of that. But in the moment, in the dark, what, what was going on there is important as well. And what did happen is what you're talking about. People were pastors to me. Like the, to put more of a, to be more blunt about it is like people were Jesus presence to me or they were the church to me in that they would just listen to my doubts and insecurities and questions. And when I couldn't even pray, they would pray for me. Yeah. You know, not in ways that, that, um, that I wasn't sort of, going along with but I didn't have the words and they would give them to me and then even when there were no words they were just mm. present to me and part of that is just because they were became good friends but before they were friends they were just church yeah. pastors to me they could help my questions become prayers mm. and so even before there was something um, new that came out of that period to be celebrated I can actually look back and celebrate and even at the time I would have said I'm really glad that those people are in my life yeah. what would I do without them this period is still dark, but I'm not alone in the darkness, you know. And there are times where even if someone's with you, you still feel alone. But they were the presence of Christ to me. So, yes, stuff happened later that I can celebrate that actually came out of that period. And I don't want to not say there's not a happy ending to some of that. But if anything, the thing that I took into my next pastoral ministry was that lesson. Yeah. That the key to church, if it is anything... It's that you're going to be there to pray for each other, to bring all of your cares to God, to be in solidarity with those who are hurting and not to just sort of only show up when there's a resolution. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like that's where I kind of learned what church was for the first time in some ways, because people just were the church to me even before we had it all figured out, you know? Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing is that maybe part of lament is as well as just the rhythms of life but one of the things that it does do is it teaches us and teaches us to be open to others I mean one of the maybe I think that's one of the deep lessons that lament does do is it causes you to love others well Yeah. we had a friend who I deeply loved um, who committed suicide recently and um, just deep deep mental health issues but was literally just the brightest spark ever mm-hmm. And I've never met anybody that was more open to others than she was because she just knew dark days mm-hmm. and she carried her life in these dark days and 
and she carried others in such an incredible way as well. Mm-hmm. And we would miss her for that. Mm. Yeah, and even these, I mean, I can name them, the two Christian brothers that were there for me in that time were Clayton and Dale. And I used to often say to them, after like a, a coffee time together where I was expressing some doubts and insecurities and questions, I'm like, what's in it for you guys? This must be depressing. And they would always say, yeah, this is hard. But actually, you're releasing something in us and this ability to sort of be honest with our own yeah. struggles. And I'm not saying like there's a, I'm taking any credit for that, but that it, when someone does break the ice in this regard and like share honestly what they're struggling with, it, it frees others up to do as well. Yeah. But like you said, though, it all just ends in darkness if we don't turn them into prayers and like look to God for hope and yeah. hope for things to celebrate. Yeah. I think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap up this conversation. Yeah. But I wonder, John, if you'd be willing to just kind of, because I think we brought up a lot of topics and there might be people listening that are just kind of saying, that's where I'm at now, in that place that you described, that kind of dark place. Um, or are thinking about people that they care for in their lives. They're in that place. Maybe would you be able to say a prayer that can kind of wrap this up and walk us, you know, help people there in that place? Sure. Yeah, if that's um, anyone listening, then I just pray that, Lord, that you just help people to find safe places to go and pray with at least one or, or two other people that they think will be receptive to the kinds of difficult questions and thoughts and that you just be able to pray about it. Um, so, Lord, I just pray you'll help people that are out there who who don't feel like they have a safe place to express what they're feeling, that they would feel free before you, God, and before others in the church to lay these things before Christ and um, and offer them to you in hope. Um, so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a New Wine England podcast. For more information, visit new-wine.org.